Welcome back to another episode of the Fab Lab Podcast with Aaron Crowley. Ladies and gentlemen, fellow fabricators, that's me. So glad to be with you on another episode here. And this one's a cool, cool episode. Ladies and gentlemen, I just sat down with my friend Lorenzo Marquez of the Marquette Group. Now, Lorenzo is uh, probably the stone industry's leading expert on marketing, on branding. And ladies and gentlemen, you may think as a fabricator, eh, that's a practice, that's a skill, that's a technique, that's a strategy for big companies, for public companies, you know, like Nike and Coca-Cola. I'm telling you, this relates to you and me. This is something that we need to understand, and it's something that we need to employ on an ever greater basis in our businesses because as if 2020 wasn't evidence enough of the shifting and unpredictable uh, changes that are occurring right now in, in, in industry, in the marketplace at large, it, with the consumer in terms of how they buy. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, we have to add this to our repertoire of skill sets and focus within the business. We cannot be blind to the necessity of positioning our companies in our local markets to succeed, to grow, to expand, and to adapt in this changing landscape. And so we have a great conversation about this topic of marketing and branding and the importance. It it is a great discussion and it's one you're going to want to hear. Now, you're also going to want to visit the Marquette Group website. It is Marquette Group, M-A-R-Q-E-T Group. You can visit their website. You can see some of their webinars that they've done. You can even schedule a free consultation. So if you're like me and you want to know more about how to better market and advertise and promote and brand your fab shop, you need to listen to this episode and then you need to check out Lorenzo's website. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, my interview with Lorenzo Marquez of the Marquette Group. Enjoy. Welcome to the Fab Lab Podcast, Lorenzo Marquez. It's such a great, uh, great privilege to have you on the Fab Lab Podcast. Thanks for coming on today. Aaron, thank you for having me. I've been waiting for this moment for a long time. I know we talked about this probably a year and a half ago, but uh, but but we but we're here now, and uh, and I am really excited about the conversation we're going to have. Likewise, and a lot of a lot has happened in the last year and a half, so. Yeah, this this year it threw us some curveballs, but uh, but we persevered, and and here we are. And I could not be more excited about this conversation. Just the uh, the the background that you've got in the uh, the marketing world, and the role that I think that that is going to you know, if it's not already obvious um, to everybody, it, it will be the the role that digital marketing is going to play in succeeding in a business, and more specifically in a stone fabrication company. Uh, this is a very timely. Uh, discussion, and I'm I'm just pleased to have you on. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. So, real quick, you and I first met uh, probably eight, ten years ago. I think maybe it was 2012. See, so yeah, I maybe closer to eight years ago at an uh, event, the Cosentino 100. And so that was my first, you know, connection to uh, to you. So, can you talk a little bit about that in terms of just your time with Cosentino and and your role there, and how that led you to the place that you're at today? Well, I started with Cosentino uh, too many years ago, I would say 2002. Okay. And um, I was part of a really good experience for me to learn the business from the ground up. Um, you know, just being able to build a brand and work in different aspects of the business, learning the merchandising side of things through Cosentino or the stone industry, being able to manage Home Depot accounts, kitchen and bath business. Um, facility out in California, then getting involved at a corporate level with the fabrication business of it. So I really got a really good handle on everything related to surfacing from A to Z. And I was really privileged to be there for about 14 years. Wow. Wow. So is my 
observation correct that that Cosentino, at least from my perspective, started out sort of at the the wholesale level or or through the big box store, and then at some point mid two thousands made a transition towards more of the retail having centers in you know a, a bunch of cities across the U.S. Was there some sort of shift that occurred um, that changed that focus? Well, I think that every business leader, if they're good and smart, they'll always revolutionize their business model as needed and as um, as much as possible, right? And yes, Cosentino first started in the sense of securing distributor slash fabricator relationships across the U.S., mainly to service the home centers, but then um, started changing their model towards more of an open setting where they were catering to a lot more fabricators and not necessarily securing specific businesses for companies that were a part of the, the, the initial start. Um, obviously, like I said, it's, it's a matter of changing the business model and adjusting. We had a lot of competition at the time with other brands that were coming in and essentially taking over areas that we could not target. So I was privileged enough to move to California back in 2006 to open up distribution and start working on this new model where we could have more than three fabricators locally and essentially start catering to anybody that needed the product. And um, Cosentino has done a really good job in paying a lot of effort or focus to the independent dealer and the kitchen and bath network um, just by essentially helping them connect with a fabricator, giving them the merchandising tools and really just making sales happen one kitchen at a time versus just blanketing everything towards one mm-hmm. single um, entity. Yeah. Well, and I, my first interaction with Cosentino, uh, I think occurred probably in 2010, 2011, down in Southern California. I think I'd spoke at an ISFA event, and, and I saw Cosentino Center for the first time, and, and having come from Oregon, where the three or four local distributors were all independents, uh, they were old school companies that in a sense had never had any real competition. And so when you, you mentioned the word merchandising and I connect that to just a completely different frame of mind of, of approaching the market. When I walked into that center, I just was blown away at the level of thought and the level of just how comprehensive that experience was. That was just the moment I walked in the door, it was just like, I'm in another world. Who is this company? And, and then it wasn't very long after that. I'd heard that, you know, you guys are going to be doing that across the country. And, and, and so to see that level of just, you know, marketing and, and expertise come to the industry is compelling. I've never forgot that. And so, yeah, and, and I think that goes towards what I've talked about leadership and uh, being a great leader an innovative leader but also to the power of marketing, right? Mm-hmm. So um, being close to the execution and sort of the strategic decision-making of key activities, um, our focus was always to focus on branding, focus on developing relationships, focus on making sure that we were executing the strategies correctly and being connected to the market. Um, and I think that if you look at different products and different leading companies, their focus has always been to reinvent and adjust as needed, but not necessarily to be um, developing silos based on revenue and opportunity. You know, you build a brand and then with that, customers will come to get it and, you know, product can change, trends can change. If you're not adjusting to that, then your brand falls. But if you have a pretty strong branding element in your 
connecting that with amazing products, then you become an innovator and you continue growing. Yeah. So you, you develop the brand and you develop the relationship with that community. So as those products change, you're in a, you know, an extremely well positioned place to, <laughs> to right. lead it, and, and, and to deliver those new products to that you know, market or uh, customer base. Yeah. And so like right now, when we work with our clients, right, like I look at every client essentially as a leader in their individual markets. So they may think, well, it's going to cost me X much to do or to build my brand to a certain level. And I really don't think that I need to cater towards the trade community or the retail community because my my business is all home center based. And so what we try to teach brands is the fact that your brand value takes you a lot farther than anything else within your company. And so when you set up a reputation for your business and you focus on delivering on that reputation and you focus on always being there from a consumer experience standpoint, it doesn't matter if it's or customer experience standpoint, it doesn't matter if it's retail or trade, you know, if you deliver on what you say you're going to deliver, that creates repeated business. And I think that Cosentino has been a great industry advocate in supporting every single part of the supply chain in executing that commitment to building strong relationships and delivering high quality product. So on that topic, you know, of, of branding, just while we're on it and, and the value of branding, when having been a you know, small town, small time, you know, small time fabricator, and then seeing just the, the enormity of Cosentino's, you know, resources and, and that branding ability to, to, and the scale with which they, you know, rolled that out, you know, just to be helpful for me and maybe other people in the audience, what does branding mean? I mean, it's easy to confuse maybe with advertising, with, you know, with marketing, but, but just, can you give a brief description of what truly branding is and why it's so important? Branding is an experience. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people can look at it from a logo standpoint. They can look at it from a um, billboard standpoint. They can look at it from how many times do I see your logo, whatnot. But branding essentially becomes an experience. You just said it, yeah. right? You attended your first 2012 Cosentino meeting and you walked away with a feel. So a brand is supposed to give you an experience. Mm. And in the case of Cosentino, I believe that the goal has always been to develop an experience. And that's what we try to come to life with essentially through C100s or through in-showroom events or through even merchandising mechanisms um, it's supposed to drive an experience. Mm. And that's what people gravitate to, especially these days, is towards an experience. Mm. And and like you said, one that's that's repeatable. And if you if you are you know consistent in what you do, um, people will return. You've got that uh, that 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 experience has got to be replicated over and over. It's gotta be, you know, a reflection of who you are and how you do business. And a hundred percent, like a lot of times when I talk start talking to fabricators about their businesses, I say, Well, give me three value propositions that you offer your clients. And some of them have nothing to say. I don't know. And they say, Well, we have a Baca and we have a Breton and we have this and that. Yeah, but how does that relate to your customer base? What are you talking about? <clears throat> your financial investments, your operational efficiencies are great. You can look at your P&L and say, I did better. But how do you relate that to your customer base, right? So it's all about first setting your value proposition mm -hmm. and then executing on that value proposition. And that's what creates branding. Mm -hmm. But you have to be very consistent. Yeah. 
and and ultimately over time that's the experience that that you're known for Absolutely. and becomes something that, you know, that people can say hey if you want this experience go to this company and uh, Absolutely. so <laughs> i, I want to get to the the specifics of how the marquette group you know serves the fabrication industry you have you've been able to take you know all of those great experiences at cosentino and that 14 years is a and a lot of transition occurred in that so there's just a wealth of knowledge there that now you know the, the fabrication community gets the benefit of of it being applied at this level uh from a from a budget standpoint i guess this is the other thing that maybe was 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 a close second to that wow was how how does a company like that and is it different or maybe it's the same you know, establish a budget because I'm I'm imagining the level of investment that had to have gone into that expansion and that transition that Cosentino had during that time where the, the local centers were being built and becoming a hub for the fabrication community in that, you know, in that locale or that region. How do you begin to 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 identify what you should be spending on branding? What is an appropriate, you know, whether it's a percentage or how how do you how do you dedicate those resources, you know, to that aspect and dimension of the business? And, and, and what, what was it like at Cosentino and how is that different at the fabrication level? Well, I think it's the same for everybody, right? I think it's a matter of how much money do you want to put back into the business versus how much money do you want to take back into your checking account? And um, I can tell you that from personal experience, the family was always very much interested in building their company, their brand much more than, you know, their bank account. Mm. Um, And I think that a lot of times fabricators in our category are most importantly focused on meeting covenants to the bank or meeting evidence numbers or meeting their budget. And so that sort of puts a hamper on, or a damper, I should say, not a hamper, but a damper Mm -hmm. on what they can spend in marketing. But branding doesn't happen just overnight. I mean, look at some of the biggest brands. And I do a lot of research and a lot of studying in different big brands. And it doesn't happen just within a year. It needs to be consistent. It needs to stay on. It needs to be something that is replicable. It needs to be something that has a history. Um, Otherwise, it means nothing. I mean, our community in fabrication right now faces a lot of issues when it comes to uh, competition, when it comes to price point, when it comes to um, deliverables, because you have the guy that's installing granite at 29 29 bucks a square foot, and they've invested nothing in operations. Meanwhile, you have fabricators are spending one or $2 million a year in developing efficiencies to be a reputable business. But at the end of the day, they're trying to compete with the $29 granny guy, right? So that's where branding comes in. If you were to look at the value of Coca-Cola today, from a stock market standpoint, 55% of the value of Coca-Cola is in their branding. It's intangible. And I'm not saying we're selling Coca-Cola when we're selling countertops, but branding has a huge effect on how your business is valued. Well, and two, you know, probably as you value when you've connected the brand and the branding to what it is that you do, the deliverables, when you're able to communicate the deliverables, that gives you the ability to not, you know, have, you know, you're not having to compete for that $29 square foot. You're able to say that guy has no deliverables, but the $29 per square foot 
you know, price point that he's offering, but I've got these three deliverables that are, that are, it's not just brand for the sake of brand, it's value to the consumer and a, a way to justify a higher price and a, hopefully a higher margin, hopefully a higher profit. Yeah. But on the, Aaron, on the flip side, so let's call the $20 guy, Joe, and let's call the big time fabricator, Paul. I mean, not Paul. Well, Paul's good. So Joe has one job to do. Promote, sell, install, get it done. That's the $29 guy. Paul is overwhelmed with finance, banks, insurance, safety, material, events, selling, growing the business. Paul has a thousand things to do, whereas Joe has one thing to do. That encompasses the same thing. So if, if Joe finishes a kitchen that is amazing and he's able to take that and post it on his social media and promote his business, he's a lot more efficient than Paul, who's got this master operation because Paul has a thousand things to do and he's not able to focus in promoting his business. So we can't blame Joe for hustling when Paul doesn't have the ability to execute. And that's where Marquette Group comes in. So more specifically, and you know the 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 range of fabricators. There's probably there's probably Joes and Pauls and everybody in between. You know, in the audience here on the Fab Lab podcast. So so talk. You know, maybe talk to that more specifically about the, um, you know the the first step in this. You're you're somewhere in that spectrum, and you would like to have a brand. You would like to have a reputation that that. Uh, it has a tangible benefit in the terms of whether it's generating higher quality leads or it's generating higher, um, you know, higher margin work uh, in, in a more predictable, consistent manner, which is, <laughs> that's what I'm interested in. Uh, what, what's the first step in that for the, the, the person who's hearing this for the first time? Where do we begin? So, I believe that the first key to marketing is relationships, right? You and I wouldn't be talking if we didn't develop a relationship nine years ago, 10 years ago, 12 years ago. Yeah. So the first thing is relationships. Am I the right person to have the relationship with my customers or do I need to find somebody that can run relationships for me? Because the relationship creates the initial experience. The second thing is focus on what you're delivering to the customer and what you're doing best for the customer. So am I really good at fabricating? Am I really good at installing? Am I good at customer follow-up? What is my value proposition to my customer so that I can then go out and promote that? Then I would focus specifically on how am I reaching my customers and how are my customers reaching me? If they go to my website, 70% of people look at their websites or people's websites on their mobile devices. Is it mobile optimized? 70%? Am I offering resources? 70%. Wow. Am I, am I optimized? Am I, do I look good online? Do I, am I showing a an experience online or am I just listing my products and saying, screw it. I don't need a website because you know, I'm so-and-so and I already have a business and whatnot. So focus on first developing your value proposition. Second, identify who's going to carry out those relationships. Third, look for the vehicles. And we come in at the vehicle stage. We also come in on the strategic stage, but we come in on the vehicle stage because a lot of times fabricators, with all due respect, focus too much on their operational efficiencies, mm-hmm. but not necessarily their 
sales and marketing execution. And I would say that's been my observation, and, and I've advocated since day one on the, the Fab Lab podcast. Not that I think I know what's best for everybody, but I just want to share my own personal experience. My observation has been exactly what you've just said, that the, there's the, uh, the tendency seems to be to go the, the, what I call the broker, the broker model, find an intermediary who is that vehicle to the end consumer or customer, whether it's a contractor, whether it's a homeowner, uh, 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 avail yourself of any responsibility on that end and just focus on making and installing the countertops where I feel like there's a huge, a huge amount of margin given up for that, you know, responsibility uh, and a huge amount of control that's given up. And, and the fabricator is at great. And again, I got to be careful. I don't want to, you know, I, I don't know if <laughs> this is my opinion. You, you put yourself at risk where you have a limited number of brokers who are feeding you your work, where if you can develop this brand and you can do this in house and develop those, you know, those, those relationships with the direct, you know, directly to the end user, not only are you, you, you capturing that margin, um, which makes your business more profitable. You're also have a much greater degree of control. And I think your business is less at risk um, for sort of dramatic shifts when one of those brokers finds a cheaper, you know, when Joe comes in there and, and offers him 29 a square foot when you've been doing it for 59. Um, well, and, and, and you can develop that in-house in or you can come to us and we can be an extension of your business because we're doing this day in, day out and we know what works and doesn't work, right? Yeah. And when I talk, when you asked me about branding earlier today and, and, and I said branding is about an experience, not necessarily about a logo or about, a website, it's about an experience, right? I visited, I don't know, many kitchen and bath dealers in my life. And I was with one sales rep from one of our fabricator customers once. And we go in and I was trying to like gauge and measure what they talked about in value proposition. And this lady says, well, we have a Baca and we're only about 15 minutes away and we're this and that. So I got it back in the car and I'm like, Listen, lady, I'm I'm Mexican. <laughs> to me, a vodka is a cow. <laughs> the dealer has no idea what you're talking about. I know vodka. They were a customer of ours. I respect them, love their product. They're amazing. Yeah. But when you bring it down to a customer level, you have to speak their language, which then creates a relationship in the user experience, right? And that's what branding is about. So instead of you sitting there saying, we have a vodka, say, we have a robotic machine that is able to connect to our digital templating devices that will ensure a precise cut of your customer's stone. And because we're digitally in our shop, we're able to help you close your sales faster, which then puts cash back in your pocket faster. So your customers will pay you faster because we're not delaying the installation on the countertop. That's what that kitchen and bath dealer wants to hear. And that's what develops a good brand experience, and that's what develops branding. If you come out and say, we are stone stone from California, and we're the best of the best, how the hell are you the best? Speak my language, mm-hmm. right? And that's what develops branding, and that's what develops an experience. Yeah, yeah. And what's my experience going to be compared to any other experience right. I may have? Where I've, That's been my perception is a lot of consumers incorrectly assume that – you know, it's the materials all coming from the same place. You know, it, the, the experience is going to be the same and the, out, and the finished product is going to be the same where because of the utter lack of standardization within our industry, nothing could be further from the truth. 
And so there's a huge opportunity for the fabricators who do exactly what you're saying, stop long enough to consider the value that they offer and, and, and figure out how to communicate it effectively. They have a significant leg up on the comp- you know, competition that's simply selling a low price. Well, and there's also ways to like standardize your business to where you offer a certain value add to the customers. And there's also ways to like ride the social media hashtag trend to talk about things that are happening. And so like, for instance, right now with this whole pandemic situation that we're living in, the fabricators that are saying that have a crisis management plan, they have a way to utilize right messaging to say, we will be careful, make sure that your customer or your nobody in your home has been exposed. Kind of like when you order Comcast or AT&T to come over and do an install, right? The professionalism, the experience piece of it, the way to communicate that to a customer is essentially what makes you different from Joe, if you're Paul. Mm-hmm. If you're Joe, you're happy with the standard quo because more than likely next year, you'll probably be selling hot dogs at a ballpark, <laughs> Right. But Paul is investing into the company. And what amazes me is to see like these companies that have spent so many millions of dollars in improving their efficiencies, but they still don't know how to message their value prop. Mm -hmm. And I also see great companies like um, the countertop factory in Midwest, Jeffrey Grant. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's invested into his company. He knows what he's offering. His business is rocking. His business is booming. Because he's well-connected from A to Z. And that was the biggest experience that I got from, I call it my school of life at Cosentino, was that I was connected into our industry from A to Z. From material design to coming up with brand names and and product positioning to essentially, you know, going to market with it and, and, and creating campaigns for it. And also seeing how, the fabricators were going to be able to sell it. And so when I made the decision to open a Marquette was mainly targeted by the fact that I would be speaking at many conferences and talking about the things that we were doing from a national standpoint to create a brand, but fabricators were not able to execute because they were afraid that they needed X many million dollars to get it done. And that's not true. So that's when I was like, this is, this is my area of focus. So to describe a little bit more about the Marquette Group and how that came about and, and what you guys do. And, and you know, you've mentioned the, the companies that, that have invested millions of dollars in their operation. Uh, in my, you know, uh, my observation, I think even companies that have, have, have invested, you know, 50,000 or 100,000, you know, even down to that level are absolutely need to hear this message about the importance of branding and marketing and, and incorporating these principles into their business. So what, um, tell us a little bit about what, you know, how, how the Marquette Group came about and what it is you guys do specifically for the fabricator that's listening. Yeah, so Marquette Group came about in the sense of um, me wanting to help beyond building a national brand, but most, most importantly, giving the tools to the fabricator to be successful in their business. Um, we essentially become an extension of people's businesses. If you were to get up from your desk as a business owner or manager, and you were to walk into your marketing department, that's who we are. You don't need to hire a web developer, a graphic designer, a social media strategist, a copywriter. We essentially do all the work for fabricators, and we have the data to support what works and doesn't work in essentially all over the U.S. Mm -hmm. And so 
our focus is essentially to become a support system to fabricators. And it can start from strategizing what the business should be um, to defining value proposition to going as far as just simply executing marketing strategies. You know, we go 360. So are they from a cut and I'm, you know, as the owner of a stone shop who is, who is always focused almost singularly on lead generation. How do I find a scalable, economical, predictable, you know, somewhat predictable source of quality leads to feed the business, which makes the operation and the plans, you know, something that I can actually execute. Um, how, how customizable is that in terms of uh, tailoring that to each individual business and uh, depending on where each business might be and you know, on this journey of, you know, incorporating marketing and branding into their business? Yeah. So I like to use uh, the, the term buzzwords are essentially online keywords. And so we focus on local buzzwords, which, you know, digitally they become keywords to drive traffic locally based on what we see on trends, based on what we see on performance, based on what we see on analytics, driving traffic to different places. We see how your competitors are driving traffic to their site and then build strategies around bidding against them or building content against them. Um, essentially, our, our work focuses on ensuring that we're providing high-quality content that is driving traffic to you organically and then that we are also measuring the conversion rate that will make you successful. Um, and so, I, like I said, we start from anything from digital to web, um, from social, I'm sorry. Um, we're 100% staffed in-house. So it's not like you're working with five different freelancers to get the job done. And it's not like you're hiring a team of five people to get the job done. It's one contact person, one account manager that handles the business and your strategy. And then we just put it to work. So it's about 20% savings on, I'm sorry, it's 20% of the cost that it would take you to hire a full staff. Wow. So when you, when you mentioned content, that was a word that, was, that I was introduced to through a book called um, They Ask, You Answer by Marcus Sheridan. He was a, a, a pool guy, and I'd never heard that phrase, content marketing, before. But um, since then, have have been on this journey of trying to learn how to take, you know, our wealth of knowledge, our experience, convert that into information that the consumer is looking for, and make it available on the website so that as people begin the search, which everybody in the whole wide world now begins any endeavor with a you know a, a, some search, you know, a keyword or a buzzword like you're saying on Google, and the idea there is to create content that your ideal customer is looking for. And, and so when they look, you show up as the provider of that, you know, with the answer to that question or that information that they've requested. Right. So it's, I mean, content essentially becomes the buzzword that, you know, traditionally you would ask somebody at the grocery store or a church, do you know somebody that can do so-and-so? So you have to build content. You have to make sure that you have a website that is reputable, that doesn't have errors on it. Google changes algorithms every couple of months. And at the end of the day, it's about driving traffic to your site and taking customers off the market. So whether you offer a product catalog that doesn't link out to manufacturer pages and they can see other fabricators or you offer a virtual showroom, um, ways by which you can lock down that customer become extremely important, especially in our business. But probably the far most important thing is Google My Business, which is Google Listings. 
which have now become essentially the yellow pages of today's era. Mm. So you have to have photos, you have to have content, you have to have reviews. It's got to be well managed. And then uh, from a content standpoint, you can sit here and develop stories all day long. But if your website has errors, if it has links that don't work, if your business is listening to many different platforms, Yelp, Yahoo, local business platforms with different information that it appears on Google and on your website, writing content doesn't help you at all. Because Google's business is to drive audiences to the right location, the right source. And so regardless of how much content you're producing, you have to make sure that you're also looking into the directories. So it's a whole, it's like putting together a Baca in your shop, basically, you know, but nobody wants to do that. It has to be done right entirely. You can't. Absolutely. It has absolutely. To, the whole thing has to be right for it to work at all. 99% is technically not, <laughs> not going to get you 99% effectiveness or performance. 99% gets you 1% performance, perhaps. Absolutely. Yeah. And to your, you know, to, like, to your point I'd about, like oh, uh, I like to encourage fabricators, you know, to write back on on your page or or social media on questions they have, and if we can repeat this again and answer more questions specifically, yeah. I'll be more than happy to you know help anybody because at the end of the day, we all have to like support each other and help each other out. Yeah. So, well, what uh, if you want to mention your you know social media ways that folks can get in touch with you and send those direct? I think that'd be great. Yeah, we're at marquettegroup.com, M-A-R-Q-E-T-G-R-O-U-P. Um, so you can find us on social media. But I'd like to uh, be able to bring questions that people have from this podcast and just kind of answer them and, like, talk to them with you. So Yeah. Well, and everybody, you know my email address, Aaron at AaronCrowley.com. I make that widely known. And so anybody that has a question related to this topic, please send me an email, and uh, maybe we'll do a follow-up where we can answer some of these questions. So, you know, in terms of the uh, this odd year that we briefly alluded to at the beginning of the podcast, how has all of these changes that have occurred that are completely outside of our control, how has that changed the the importance of this topic for the individual fabricator? Well, in very interesting ways. So we talked about the power of branding and how you need to build on that and essentially let it happen organically. Um, our customers that were ready for that and that had a platform to engage in a crisis emergency plan have been extremely successful. Those that retracted and got freaked out about, you know, expenses and sales and whatnot are suffering. And those that were not ready um, based on an emergency crisis plan or a reaction plan are kind of hanging in there. So it takes time. It's a commitment it's a process. Um, but if you want to be a leading company locally, you have to make sure that you're performing as one. And so don't look at your neighbor as a fabricator to see what you should compete against so you can do better, but look at brands that have, have inspired you and why you keep consistent to their business. And that's what you should be doing as a fabricator as well to survive, you know, pandemics. Yeah. And, and I would think that, even in mid-sized markets, there's enough, you know, 
uniqueness and diversity to the actual the customer base, the the market for granite and quartz countertops. That that there is still lots of opportunity for a, an individual fabricator to become a leader in that sort of subfield, if you will, or that sub segment of the market where you might maybe think, oh well, it's, someone's already probably in that leadership role. I don't believe that's the case. I think that there are there's tons of opportunity for fabricators to position themselves even right now to become that expert, to become that leader in the field uh, and, and be the first one to, uh, uh, you know, take hold of that position and that opportunity. Yeah. And, and I think it just, it's a matter of people having time and having the will to focus on it. And again, some people have the ability to do it. Um, earlier today, you were asking me about, you know, sort of what we've done for a, from a pandemic standpoint and, and developing new things. And I think it's about just reinventing and doing like looking for new opportunities, you know, like, am I good as a fabricator? Am I good with doing a scrap sale? Am I good with doing a reducing my minimums? How am I adjusting to a pandemic? You know, in our case, um, I personally launched a new business. It's called e-slabs.com. So it works as a overstock for slabs in the sewing industry so you know just look for new ways to like keep going mm-hmm. be an innovator yeah innovating leading and serving the market what's the value proposition what can you deliver to the the end user that isn't currently being either number one provided um or maybe number two equally important communicated effectively some people might have the means Absolutely. but but they don't know how to connect with the consumer they don't know how to convey the value that they have you know in a way that the consumer goes oh that's what i was looking for let's let's do business there's tons of opportunity uh even in the midst of a pandemic well and 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 my my thought all the time is sales cures all so in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of competition, you have to be a sales innovator to continue growing your business, period. Yep. And so that's what we help people do. Yeah. So what, so I'm intrigued in terms of timing and, you know, just say you didn't have one of these systems in place, a, a, a quick reaction, sort of plan B for unforeseen emergencies or, you know, a significant drop in sales or some just massive shift in the marketplace, you know, how quickly, if you, if somebody gets on this and gets serious about it and, and, and begins to focus and make these investments, how, how fast can one expect to start seeing tangible direct results as, you know, from those activities? You know, and I wish I could tell you that it was like Tylenol, which works in 30 minutes and gets the headache <laughs> away, but every market, every business is highly custom customizable and different. So we've seen success within three months. We've seen success within a year. It's just a matter of people giving us the opportunity to analyze what we can do for them and how quickly we can get it done. And then with that, just putting together an execution plan that we can either drive or they can drive themselves. So it's not, I don't think there's a remedy for all because it's kind of like putting convenience stores to fight against each other during a pandemic. I mean, it's, it's, it, it just doesn't happen like that naturally so this this is a this is not a flash in the pan you try it you dabble in it and and then conclude oh this didn't work this is a long term if you want to build a lasting brand and a a growing company that continues on into the future there has got to be a commitment to this um to seeing this through and seeing it actually work until it works 
Well, it's, it's a consistency mechanism, right? So if you're going to buy a vodka, you're not going to buy it for the next 10 jobs you get, right? You're going to buy it for as an investment to your company. And marketing is the exact same thing. You're not going to just do it for a month or two or a year and then drop it because budgets change or whatever. You have to stay consistent. And so no different than buying a high you know, value piece of equipment. That is great. So one, as we're starting to kind of wrap things up here, from your perspective, being in the industry, talking to a wide spectrum of fabricators across the country, can you speak to um, where you see some of the most significant opportunity that maybe is as of yet untapped um, for the fabrication community? And, you know, 95% of people, they're too busy. They're that guy that's just got so many irons in the fire that they, they, they don't have time to stop and think about how do I strategically grow the business or how do I prepare for the next, you know, change in the marketplace or the next opportunity. But what, what are some opportunities that you see um, from your vantage point that uh, fabricators need to be aware of? They need to hear it for the first time right now and start uh, considering how they might pursue it. Well, I think that, you know, what I've seen over the last years or last few years is that everybody's trying to be everything for everyone, right? You've seen fabricators that have come up with their own quartz lines and try to cut onto, onto the price of quartz or granite or whatnot to develop their own brand without really understanding what it takes to build a brand. Mm-hmm. Um, you've seen some other fabricators that have offered other services I think that the opportunity today is to focus on your core business and what makes your business great. We don't have time to sell, you know, French fries and pizza together. This is a moment where you need to focus on your core competencies, Mm -hmm. promote the living heck out of them and make sure that you are the trusted solution for your customers. And I'm not trying to kill innovation and expanding your business whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But from a messaging standpoint, people like to work with companies that specialize on something. But you can't be everything for everybody. And that's the rule in business. Well, and, and, so, and that may be an innovation, you know, in and of itself for, for somebody who's trying to do everything yeah. or be everything to all people. That, that may be the first time they've heard that. And it's counterintuitive. Well, no, if I offer everything, I have a, a broader net to cast well, no, the reality is, is is becoming that expert in that field and serving that customer better than anybody else. Therein lies the opportunity. Listen, if I am on shop, I would have a white, a white with gray vein, a white with uh, gold vein, 20 colors, and that's it. I just focus on that. You don't need to be everything for everybody, yeah. right? You have to deliver on the material. Do they want quartz? Here's a white. Do you like it? Why not? Well, that is great, Lorenzo. This is uh, this is awesome. I I, I agree, and or I believe and, and and agree that this dimension of the business is as important as any other dimension in the business that fabricators tend to fixate on or maybe focus on to the exclusion of everything else. And so, I really appreciate you spending the time to uh, uh, to share your knowledge, to share your experience, and to put your company, the Marquette Group, out there. And so, everybody. Fellow fabricators, ladies and gentlemen, I, I would encourage you, the, 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 do not underestimate the importance, no matter where you think you are as a fabricator, no matter how you place yourself in the, uh, the spectrum of the competition in your market, it, you have got to consider the value of marketing and branding. And so if you'd like to learn more about that, please visit uh, Lorenzo at the Marquette group.com. 
He's very available on social media. You can send me an email if you've got some questions about this, like uh, Lorenzo and I were talking about. We can uh, we can field some of those questions and maybe loop back around for another episode and answer some of those specific questions. And so, Lorenzo, thank you so much for coming on the Fab Lab podcast today. This is awesome. I really appreciate the time. Thank you for having me. Uh, well, we'll do it again for sure. Oh, for sure. Okay, take care. Thanks. Wow, what a fantastic conversation. You know, one of the privileges that I have of having started this podcast is the opportunity to sit down with experts, with industry leaders, and, and learn to grow. So, ladies and gentlemen, I, I want you to know I don't, I don't put myself in the seat of the interviewee of the host in this regard. I put myself in the seat of another fabricator that needed to hear what you know, Lorenzo had to say. The, the value of what he had to say has intrigued me to the point where I'm, I'm going to be following up because I know, I absolutely believe that this cannot be ignored, that we must employ these techniques and these strategies in our businesses if we want to continue to be viable. And so, ladies and gentlemen, if you're like me, you want to grow your business, you want it to continue to succeed, you want it to evolve and adapt into the future, we got to learn branding, we got to learn marketing, and we got to learn uh, these principles that Lorenzo talked about in this episode. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know I got another episode coming. You know, in the last episode, I talked about the value of identifying what it is you want because you can't determine what you must do in your business until you have determined what it is you want outside of it. And so, the next episode, how to get what you want in and out of your stone shop is coming down the pike. Make sure that you check back next week because it's going to be a great topic you're not going to want to miss. So until then, happy fabricating.